Kathy, she misunderstood this is not a union shop, so let's keep it to two or three minutes. All right, where are my good hardcore union members that I just offended? Raise your hand. All right, God loves you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, anyway, well, let's move on. Stick to the gospel, Todd. Uh, take out your program, if you would, real quick. And uh, if you have a, a middle school, high schooler, their there, uh, service time is modified this week, so pay attention to that. Um, uh, and uh, it's not that they're doing nothing. They're doing different um, uh, service project Wednesday during the day, and they'll enjoy that. Take a read and see, look at everybody that's serving uh, today, and we appreciate that. And throughout the week, we always try to include that. And then my last ask is going to be for uh, uh, updated information. Twice this week, we tried to call contact somebody, and we had wrong information. So we'd like to contact you back, but if you call the church and say, hey, call me back, and you changed your cell phone three times since you last gave it to us, guess what? So anyways, I promise you we'll treat it good and with high, high security. So uh, gals, gentlemen that are going to help us with our giving. Let's pray. <laughs> Father God, it's our, our discipline, it's our habit to pray before we give because we want to do one last checkup on our hearts. We want to make sure that we're giving with the right motive, with the right desires. Lord, thank you for the ability to give this morning. It means that at some point recently you have brought into our households, into businesses, into industries, and, and we have the ability to give back. We know that all that comes from you, and we give you back just a very uh, small portion, but we do so with a joyful heart. And our final prayer this morning is that you'd help us to continue to be great stewards as a church. We're not looking for average. We're not looking for good. We want to be great stewards of all things of value that you've given us, and we just pray for your wisdom and all the decisions we make, large and small, in your name. Amen. So that's a great picture, but it's not the picture of me you were supposed to put up, but that's all right. No, we got to, I, I always love it because no note sheet and everybody just freaks out. Pastor, six times this morning, Pastor, there's no note sheet. Now, I'm not aware of everything that goes on during the week, all right, but I am aware of some stuff. Uh, that's because we have opportunity to have one of our missionary uh, uh, families here, um, and I've known the Nessas for longer than we're going to talk about. Uh, both of them before they were married, and uh, I think I was 11 when you guys headed to Africa. Um, what? <laughs> 11. Well, I mean, you know, so, you know, 23, 24 years ago. And, uh, uh, but since then, Mike and Carrie have been married for a couple years and uh, served uh, faithfully and well. And so, uh, Something that's going to be a little different today, but I'm but I'm giving you a heads up. Normally we take an offering, and uh, and and thank you for those that asked about that. What I'm going to ask you to do is keep that in mind. Something's going to come up for them in the next year or two when they return back there, um, and uh, we're going to want to jump in on that as a church. All right, 
So remember the face, remember the name, remember Congo. If, if you can remember that much, you'd probably be doing good. Yeah. This means yes, this means no. Means pastor, I'm about to fall asleep. And, uh, but they're great people, and we have opportunity on a regular basis uh, to, to support them in prayer and finances. I know some of you pray very, very regularly for our missionaries, and I appreciate that. So I want you to pay good attention. Um, I'm excited about what Mike is going to share. I'm, I'm, a, I'm uh, aware of at least some of it, um, and, it, and you'll see the tie that it makes to some of the things that we've been working um, on as a church. So, Michael, jump on up here. I'm going to sit down and drink coffee and eat donuts like you guys do every week. <laughs> Thanks, Todd. Well, it's great to be here this morning at Grace and uh, enjoying this fall weather. You guys like uh, waking up to frost. We don't get that in Congo very much, so... Kind of, you know, and we enjoy it the first two times it happens here. And then after that, we're like, hey, this is too cold. But uh, my wife is here with me today. That lovely lady that you see in the picture there sitting down at the front. We travel together practically all the time now since we're empty nesters. It's just something you have to do once your kids leave the house. You have to do everything together. I don't know who wrote that rule, but that seems to be the way it is. And uh, great to have her parents uh, all the way up from Battleground, Dale and Karen Venema. That long drive up uh, I-5 there. Um, we are just so excited to have the chance this morning to share a little bit about what God has been doing in children's ministries in Africa. Uh, the opportunity to say thank you to you for the part that you've played in that. As Pastor Todd said, uh, this church has faithfully supported us for years. And it's uh, because of that kind of support, both through giving and prayer, that we can continue to do what God's called us to do. So thank you for that. Um, for many years, we were in the country of Tanzania, and so if, if you might remember one of the previous times that we were here, uh, you might have heard us talk about Tanzania, but uh, we spent about the first 15 years of our ministry there uh, working with kids, uh, children's ministries, as we all, always have. But then uh, a few years ago, Lord began doing some things, and we transitioned to the Central African country of the Congo. It's actually called the Democratic Republic of the Congo, but that's just a tongue twister. Uh, too much to spit out. So we say Congo, even though there is another Congo uh, in Africa, but the DR Congo. And, um, you know, I, let me also just say this morning, happy Thanksgiving, since I won't be here next Sunday. I uh, hope you enjoy all that goes with that, turkey, pumpkin pie. Uh, why is it we always think about food at Thanksgiving? I'm not sure, but, you know, it's just a part of it, isn't it? And it kind of marks the beginning of the uh, holiday season for us, doesn't it? So we're, we're literally now in that last week of dieting, fasting, trying to get down, you know, a few pounds so that we can just indulge for the next yeah, month or so, right? Um, headed into that season, I wanted to just ask if you would uh, try to remember one kind of prayer request throughout this holiday season as it relates to the Congo. Um, they do celebrate, uh, now they don't celebrate Thanksgiving, that's an American holiday, obviously, but uh, Christmas and New Year's are a very big deal. For them. In fact, in many ways, even for the church, New Year's is more important than Christmas. And so, uh, French speaking country, you know, they're real big on Bonne Année, which is basically the equivalent of uh, Happy New Year. Uh, but that also includes, you know, bonuses, especially if you're uh, working for somebody, uh, might include gifts from one person to another. And so, they make a big deal of that. But the thing that I'd ask you to pray about as we go into our holiday season and as the people of Congo anticipate uh, what they hope to be a good holiday season is the fact that um, they have an election coming up the 23rd of December. Who schedules an election the day before C Christmas Eve? I don't know. But uh, that's just the way it is. 
And uh, there are just a lot of um, issues that I won't go into this morning that could cause problems uh, in that. So as you're going through this this season up uh, towards Christmas, if you would just uh, remember uh, to pray for the Congo as they look forward to what they hope to be a great Christmas and New Year's season. But some of that would depend on the outcome uh, of this election. We're just praying for peace. So we've been in Tanzania, now been in Congo, but uh, another part of the work that we get to do is we get to work with a ministry called Africa's Children, and that ministry supports and empowers both missionaries and churches all across the continent of Africa uh, in order to reach the children of Africa with the gospel. And I wanted to share a little bit about that this morning with you uh, as I share uh, from the word of God. And to start off, I just uh, would invite you to watch this video with me. truly follow Jesus with all their heart because someone had introduced them to Jesus when they were young. We can shape the future if we reach the next generation today. There are over 400 million children in Africa. Imagine if every church in every country were to reach out to every child in its community right now. Africa's Children believes now is the time to reach Africa's next generation. That's why the Africa's Children Now initiative was formed to harness the potential of the African church to reach children. It's all about everyone doing something in order to see a huge change. Through empowering, caring, equipping, and reaching, we want to create an opportunity for every child to experience the love of Christ and choose to follow Him. Africa's church is on the rise and growing faster than anywhere in the world, but we need your help to multiply these efforts. We need people who will pray. We need churches that will partner we need people who will come. We can make a difference if we work together. Partner with us. We can't wait for tomorrow because tomorrow may be too late. Now is the time to reach Africa's next generation. Visit africaschildrennow.org for more information on how you can get started. We truly do believe that now is the time to reach Africa's next generation and we feel that sense of urgency. Um, but I'd be willing to bet that you've probably heard the same type of things said uh, about different things, that now is the time or that it's very urgent that you get involved. Um, the problem or the challenge that we have is we live in a world where people want us to think that everything is urgent. Have you noticed that? And so if everything is urgent, then all of a sudden the whole idea of urgency kind of loses some of its meaning, doesn't it? And so... Uh, as we think about that sense of urgency, it's, it's challenging to, to us to know what is it that God really feels or believes is urgent for our lives. Let me just uh, help you think about this um, in this way. What are some of the things that advertisers use to create urgency and get us to act or buy something? How many times have you heard words like this? Time is running out. Last chance. Don't miss out limited time only. Isn't that a great one? Have you ever opened something in the mail and um, you read through it? It's, you know, limited time only, last chance type thing, one time only offer. And you get down to the bottom of it and you think, boy, that sounds a lot like the offer I got last month. So is it really one time only? Am I going to get another chance? But th these are things that are actually called urgency language. I learned that there's 
actually you can learn how to use urgency language in, in sales, for example, uh, to create that sense of urgency so people will respond and act. And, and if we're honest about it, we get this kind of language when in not only um, advertising, but in government, nonprofit, even sometimes preachers use that kind of urgency language. Advocacy, advocacy groups might use it. But it's all about trying to get people to buy into what you are offering, whether it's a product or whether it's a, a, a cause. And we hear it all the time. In fact, um, I didn't come up with that whole idea of now is the time. Um, but, I, you know, I thought, wow, that's pretty original. You know, now is the time uh, to reach Africa's next generation. And then I did a Google search. You're familiar with those? You want to hear some of the other people that use that whole phrase, now is the time? Um, this one was quite unique. Uh, I think maybe I've missed the window. It says, now is the time to start a fall garden. Granted, that was back in August, I think it was, so maybe I've kind of missed that window of opportunity. That's the thing with urgency. you got to act now or you miss out, right? Um, I really like this one. Now is the time to visit Uzbekistan. Anybody know where Uzbekistan is? I mean, I kind of know, you know, it's in that Stan region of the world. I have no idea why we should visit there. But evidently, according to somebody, now is the time. Here, this was a great one. Elon Musk said this one a, a few years back. He said, now is the time to colonize Mars. Did anybody sign up for that one? Because I'm not sure if we've missed that opportunity yet or not. Is that list still open or, you know, was this kind of like limited time only thing as well? Um, this one I came across because I'm getting a little bit older and I was looking at options for my work environment. Now is the time to finally invest in a standing desk. And amen, because uh, once you're over 50, the more you sit, the worse it is for you, I guess. But you see what I'm, I'm, I'm talking about. And, and I'm sure that you have experienced that in your own life, that as you're bombarded by these kinds of messages, that now is the time, that this is urgent, that is urgent. There's something that happens. And, and when something's overused like that, we tend to ignore it. It certainly loses its, its impact on us. And sometimes we'll hear something like that and we'll go, yeah, you know, I've before. So this morning I want to share some reasons with you why I think now is the time to reach the children of Africa. And I realize that God hasn't called you to that task in the same way that he's called us. So obviously our response to that, no matter how urgent it is, is going to look different. But I, I'd ask you to do two things this morning. Yes, consider how maybe God might be calling you to respond in, in this um, ministry to the children of Africa. But more than that, would you just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart about the things that God truly sees as important? Because I really think that there are some parallels in the scriptures that I'm going to share that that kind of drive us to do what we do with urgency. There's some parallels to your life individually and also corporately as a church that I think God would want to use this morning just to remind us of what he truly sees as urgent and important. One reason that we believe that now is the time to reach Africa's children is because children are especially open to the things of God. You may have heard this before, but statistics show that most people who accept Christ do so between the ages of four and 14. Uh, but, you know, interestingly, it's not just the church that recognizes the openness of children. Uh, secular developmental psychologists uh, believe that by the age of 10, most children have their value systems firmly in place 
And after that age, changes are difficult to obtain. In fact, another quote along the same line says this. Values are acquired in one's early youth, mainly in the family and in the neighborhood and later at school. By the time a child is 10 years old, most of their ba basic values have been programmed into their minds. Think about that for a moment. That's a little bit scary, actually, if you're a parent, especially of young kids. Um, and it doesn't mean that there isn't change after 10. We all have experienced change in our own lives at a later age. But what it is telling us is that there's a certain urgency to teaching and training children while they're young. Because that's the best time to instill godly values and principles in their lives. Interestingly enough, that's not a new revelation. Despite the fact that maybe for secular psychologists, it's something they discovered relatively recently. The creator of the universe has known about this from the beginning of time. And that's why when you read the Bible, there are literally dozens of scriptures that talk to us about the importance of teaching and training young children, the next generation, those that come behind us. In Deuteronomy alone, you can find several verses. I want to share just one with you this morning from Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. It says there, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. I mean, based on that scripture and certainly a host of many others, I think it's safe to say that according to God, now is the time to teach and to train our children about him. I'm thankful that God can bring change to the hearts and minds of people no matter what their age. And it may be that some of you here in this room, you didn't have that privilege of growing up in a home where godly principles were taught to you. Aren't you thankful that, you know, God can change hearts no matter what age you are, no matter what you've gone through in life? Uh, there's a, a proverb in Swahili that says, fold the fish while it's fresh. That makes a lot of sense to you, right? Uh, but the whole idea there is, is there's they dry their fish as a way to preserve it, and, and there's a certain type of fish that they dry in a U-shape. But if you don't fold it while it's fresh to dry it, then, of course, afterwards it's kind of hard to bend and to fold. And the amazing thing about our God is that in his miraculous power, he can bend, he can change the crustiest, smelliest amongst us. Amen? <laughs> That's a great and awesome thing about God. But the counsel that he gives us through scripture is that we should do everything we can to reach children and disciple children while they're young, because that's the very best time to do so. Obviously, that starts with parents at home, but it also is a mandate to us as the church to do everything we can to reach children while they're young. Praise God for what's happening over in the other rooms around here this morning and can I just encourage you to continue as a church to be supportive of everything that this body wants to do and is doing in regards to reaching kids. Because of this urgency in our ministry, we place a heavy emphasis on training children's workers from local churches to reach kids. In fact, just before we came back in July, uh, we did a week-long training seminar in the city of Kisangani in Congo. Uh, about children's ministries, how to do children's ministries in the local church. And we were thrilled to have uh, 70 pastors and volunteers at that. 
And really exciting for us, 20 of those were Bible school students, future pastors that were taking that as credit for their coursework. And there was something especially exciting for me. And, you know, I I love to show this picture because what's more exciting than a middle-aged white guy standing up in the middle of a room, right? I I know you're thinking, man, you could have got a lot more from us, you know, in terms of emotional ties if you would have shown the picture of a little African kid. But the story behind that picture is what's so exciting to me. You know, one of the things that we were able to do at this event is we were able to provide uh, curriculum for three different age groups that churches could use to teach and disciple kids. There's just not a lot, quite honestly, in an African context in the French language. We were also able to put in the hands of each and every one of those participants a book that talks about doing children's ministries in the local church. And I'm quite certain that for most, if not all of them, that's the very first time they ever held something in their hands on that subject in their language. And I know that training, literature, that kind of thing, sometimes it's hard to make that sound exciting. It doesn't move our emotions in the same way as some other needs do. But what we need to understand is that training translates into transformed lives. When people are equipped, when people are empowered, lives are changed. And in this case, we're talking about the lives of young children in places all across Africa. Because of our work with the Ministry of Africa's Children, we do get to travel around other places outside of Congo. And one of the countries that we've uh, been in is the country of Gabon. And Gabon, in Gabon, the church is growing, uh, but they face challenges just like anywhere else. But one of the challenges that they face is with traditional religious practices. And they're very common there in Gabon. And unfortunately, sorcery and witchcraft are often a large part of those traditional religious practices and even those that claim to be Christians many times um, will mix these traditional practices with their Christianity and so the church has a hard time in in, uh, confronting that and dealing with that at times I was told about a young girl by the name of Susan uh, who was introduced to witchcraft by her grandmother at a very young age it just was a natural thing for her grandmother to include her in this but the unfortunate thing for Susan was that because of that exposure to demonic activity, she often suffered from intense fear, from sleepless nights, even from fits of rage. But praise God, there was a day when Susan found herself in a local church there in Gabon. And in that church, she heard about the love of Jesus and how Jesus could set her free. And because she accepted Jesus into her life, she now enjoys a life free from that kind of thing. In fact, she uh, is involved in the children's ministries program of that church. She loves to sing in the choir, and so she's a member of the children's choir as well. And there are churches like Susan's that are ready to meet the needs of children, but they're often ill-equipped, and they lack the training that they need. And that's why training events that's why things like materials make such a difference because they prepare people to be better and to do a better job at reaching children in their own communities now is the time to teach kids about God's word
Another reason that we believe now is the time to reach Africa's next generation is because the church in Africa is positioned and ready to reach children like never before. There are many places in Africa that are still unreached, and you probably hear about those kinds of places. But there's also in other parts of the continent where the church is growing faster than anywhere else in the world. And that growing church is waking up to its responsibility and opportunity for children's ministries. You know, one of the best known verses, perhaps, in the Bible about the importance of children comes from Jesus himself. In Mark chapter 10, verses 13 and 14, and maybe you're familiar with this story. Jesus is out preaching to the multitudes, they say, big crowds. In fact, there were thousands of people present at this particular uh, event. And in that scripture, it says that people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Now, I'm just a kid's guy, so I try to keep my language real simple. But uh, I think indignant means really mad. Uh, You can look it up later and correct me if I'm wrong. But that's that's the, the feeling that I'm getting from this scripture. Jesus wasn't happy about it. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. What a very clear command to the church to be involved in ministry to kids. Jesus wasn't satisfied to just make the kids wait or to push them aside. In fact, think about this scenario just for a moment, if you would. Here he is. He's preaching to thousands of adults. And we all know that adults are the important people, right? They pay the bills. They're the people of influence. They're the ones that are going to make things happen. All those things are true. But Jesus took the time in the midst of that important setting to say, you know what? Time out, folks. You guys can wait a little while. Because these little ones have needs that need to be met right now. Now is the time for the church to reach kids because children have needs. Even at young, a young age that Jesus wants to meet right now. One of the things that we get to do is simply be a voice to the church in Africa advocating for the importance of ministry to children. Uh, And I I got to do that once at a Bible school chapel setting. You know, they gave me a 20 whole minutes to go up there and just pour my heart out. And uh, nine times out of 10, if I'm going to speak to people, I'm going to talk about ministry to children. That's just what I do. And so I talked about the importance of that. And, you know, it's interesting in a speaking setting. You never really know, quite honestly, uh, if people really got anything from that or if they did what it was. And and that's the same as it was on that day. I kind of walked away from that thinking, hey, It was a great opportunity. I hope that, you know, somebody was somehow impacted that the Holy Spirit did something through what I said. Well, fast forward a couple of years and one of those students comes to visit us at our house just before we're coming back to the States. And um, this is a a man by the name of Jim. He's now graduated from school. He's planting a church in the city of Kinshasa. And one of the things that he shared uh, with us is he said, you know, on that when you were in chapel that day, he said, I thought to myself, if a missionary uh, is going to come all the way to my country specifically to reach children, then maybe I should be more concerned about children's ministries at my church. And he now has a regular children's ministries every week at his church, reaching out to the kids in his neighborhood. 
Now is the time for churches to reach out to kids in their community. And it may be that you're not going to be the one working with kids day in and day out, but sometimes we can use our voice of influence to encourage and to open doors for those that are doing that. It may be that God wants to use you as one of those that supports those kind of ministries, whether it's financially or through some of those background behind-the-scenes type jobs. Now is the time. Another reason that now is the time to reach Africa's next generation is because kids need to get saved. They need to hear about Jesus and so that they can give their lives to him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, the Apostle Paul makes an appeal for people to be reconciled to God, for people to make things right with God. And he expresses the urgency of that by saying this, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And every day, every day is a good day to be reconciled with God. Amen? I mean, if there is... Uh, if you've been waiting, putting it off, you know, I, you know, I really want to give my life to God. I really want to, you know, follow him and do things his way. But for whatever reason, you've had excuses along the way. Let me just encourage you. Today is a great day to make things right with God. And it's urgent because we don't know what the future holds for us. Right. And you've probably heard that before. But it's also urgent because we don't want to waste another day without God in our lives. We often hear the phrase, it's never too late to get right with God. And praise God for that. It's never too late. But when I think about children's ministries, I often think about it kind of from the flip side. It's never too early to get right with God. There was a, a well-known pastor who once said, you know, a man who gets saved at the age of 60 is a soul saved. Praise God for that. A soul saved with perhaps... Ten years plus or minus left to serve God. A child of ten, on the other hand, is also a soul saved. Praise God. No difference there, really, but it's a, someone that's got 60 plus years to serve the Lord. And salvation is urgent not just because of eternity. That's certainly true. But it's urgent because we miss so much in this life when we live it apart from God. And his plan for us. Why would we want to put that off? Enjoying God's best. We can have that today. There is a young girl by the name of Mary. She attends a Christian school in northern Senegal. Senegal is a country in West Africa. And uh, it's 90 plus percent Muslim. And as further you go north in that country... Uh, the percentage goes up. And uh, there are some missionary colleagues of ours that have started a school in one of those northern cities uh, in order to meet the educational needs of that community. Uh, Mary's father was hired on as a guard for the school, and part of his pay was that his children would get to come to the school uh, totally free. Uh, Mary was the one that was old enough at that time, and she was one of nine students in that first class. She was a little bit taller than most of the other kids because uh, she was starting school at a, at a pretty, o at a much older age than the other kids. 
But the other thing that was a challenge for Mary is because of her situation at home, she was rather malnourished. And so she struggled um, to pay attention in class and to understand the things that the teacher was trying to teach. The director of that school, who was a Christian, a believer from the south of Senegal, a Senegalese man, was director, noticed what was going on. And so he started bringing Mary home after classes where he and his wife would feed her and they would help her out with her lessons. And by the end of that year, there was a tremendous change and transformation in this young girl's life, not just uh, academically, but uh, physically and emotionally as well. Her parents noticed it. Even some of the family friends and other family members noticed that. In fact, the testimony of what happened in this girl's life was so dramatic that it encouraged other parents who quite honestly were a little bit reluctant to send their kids to an openly Christian school. It encouraged them to go ahead and let their kids come. And over the next two years, that school grew from an enrollment of nine to over 150, and it continues to grow today. And one of the joys that we have as a part of the Ministry of Africa's Children is that we can help fund classrooms and some of the needs that this missionary has in order to keep up with the pace of growth at this church, or at this school, rather. There are over 860 unreached people groups, we call them UPGs, that have been identified in sub-Saharan Africa. Mary comes from one of those. And one thing that is common to all these groups, even though they come from different countries, different cultural backgrounds, one thing that's common to all of them is that nearly half of the population of every unreached people group in Africa is children. And the question we ask ourselves sometimes, many times, is, is how do you reach out and genuinely show the love of Christ to children in an appropriate way in these sensitive, sometimes even hostile environments? And schools like the one that Mary attends is one way that has been successful in many places across the continent. Because providing a quality education for a community, it meets a very real need. It's a way to demonstrate compassion and concern for these children and for the families as well. It also provides an opportunity for the teachers who are Christians themselves to live in a community and to rub shoulders with parents and with community leaders and to demonstrate their faith in Christ's love in practical, everyday ways. Now is the time to tell people about Jesus. And salvation is something that God wants to offer everyone. Sharing the love of Jesus is something that God wants us to do right here where we live as well as around the world. So is this really urgent, reaching Africa's next generation? We certainly believe so. We do feel that sense of urgency that we must act now. But as I said, that obviously means something different in terms of how to respond, uh, because that's not necessarily what God has called you to put your full time and energy into in the same way that he's called us to. But I want to close this morning by asking two different questions. The first one is I do want you to think for a few moments about how God might be asking you to be a part of what's taking place in Africa. You know, one way that God might be asking you to play a part is through prayer. You can be a part of a prayer team that prays regularly for the needs of children all across Africa. And I have a couple of tools I just want to mention briefly to help do that. 
There's a prayer guide, and you can pick these up on the table heading out uh, the doors there this morning. You can also find it online. But 12 countries that have been highlighted with some very specific prayer needs to help you pray a little bit more informed on some of the real needs that face kids in those countries. You can be a part of a, a Facebook page if that's uh, one of the things you like to do, and you can find information on how to do that on these little cards. But there are ways that you can be a part of making a difference all across Africa without ever having to leave Woodland, Washington. Another way I, that God may be asking you to be a part is, is through your giving. And again, your giving through your church to missions is making a difference. Sometimes it's hard to know when you put that offering in the envelope, uh, in, the, in the offering plate or however you give what it's doing, but it's changing lives around the world. And it is urgent. It's urgent because God's mission is urgent and God's mission is global. You know, it may even be that God might be calling some to actually go. That's a strange thing sometimes for someone to say from the platform, but where does God get missionaries from? From churches just like this. And there is a need for more people that are willing to go specifically to Africa to reach kids. So there are ways that we can make a difference. But the second thing that I'd like you to think about this morning as I wrap up is this. What is it that's truly urgent in my life? What is it that God sees as urgent in my life? Is there something that he's been asking you to do now that you've been putting off? Maybe it's a, a, a phone call or a visit to a family member that really haven't had the greatest of relationship with, and God's been saying, you know, I want you to take the first step. Maybe it's a ministry that God has been nudging you to get involved in, and you've been dragging your feet. I don't know. But I do know that the Spirit of God is continually speaking to us. And when God tells us that something is urgent, it's probably good for us to sit up and to listen, and then after listening, Take a step to get involved. Because now's the time to do what God's asking you to do. I want to just close with a word of prayer, and I'll invite Todd to come up after that. And just, if I could, just pray over you. And pray that God would help us to discern this morning what his spirit is saying to us and what it is that he really desires of us, what it is that's urgent in his eyes for us to be involved in. Father God, we thank you for your involvement in our lives. It's a daily thing, God. You are so good and so faithful to speak into our lives. Lord, you're so good and so faithful to direct us. Lord, I confess uh, in my own life, and I'm sure that others would agree that sometimes I'm not always quick to discern your voice. And even when I know it's you, sometimes I'm not always quick to do what you're asking me to. And so, Lord, I just pray that this morning you would help us to be sensitive to your voice once again. Help us to discern, Lord, in the midst of all these voices clamoring for our attention, trying to convince us that what they're saying is urgent and important. Help us to discern the voice of your spirit, Lord, to hear, but more than that, Lord, to act and to do that which you've asked us to do right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Mike. 
Uh, just real quick, you know, the th one of the things that struck me uh, was curriculum. I'm not a big curriculum guy. I'm not the guy to write it. I'm not smart enough to do that. Uh, I'm smart enough to know some people that can do that. But I was thinking of you, Melissa. Uh, Melissa, raise your hand. Melissa directs all of our ch children's sixth grade and under. And uh, she spends a ton of time on curriculum right here in good old America where we have a ton of choices. And not just which one to use, you know, Gospel Publishing House or group or whatever, but she's constantly uh, modifying it based on where our kids are. I'm going to brag on you a little bit, but she, she rewrites it a lot of times uh, to try to customize it for our kids. And it just struck me, well, why wouldn't we do that for Africa? Because I promise you, having had three boys that were essentially raised in this church, uh, if you gave them curriculum from an African culture in French, <laughs> wouldn't have been very helpful, right? So I guess, and you look at me like, yeah, Pastor, you just figured that out. Well, welcome to my world, all right? And uh, uh, so maybe it's not very romantic, all right? I like to use the word sexy, but my wife was here first hour, so I won't use that. But, you know, it doesn't elicit a lot of response from us, but it's important stuff, right? You spend a lot of time, uh, you know, appropriately so, trying to effectively minister to, to our kids. So stand up. I'm not going to pray for you again after the song. These guys have got a song they're dying to do, so we'll let them loose. And then uh, if we don't see you before then, we'll look forward to seeing you next Sunday morning.